God, this changes everything. What Jesus did for us on the cross literally changes everything if we would receive him as Lord and Savior today. Would you bow your heads with me while we open in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives, Lord Jesus. We thank you for Resurrection Sunday. Easter literally changes everything for those who believe in you. God, I pray today that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is speaking. God, I pray today that you would give us hearts that are soft and moldable that would receive your word today. God, I thank you, Lord God, for life change. I thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to continue to do. In the mighty name of Jesus and his people said, amen, amen. Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that you and I can experience life change. Can you look to your neighbor and say life change? <clears throat> Today we're going to focus on the last words or what the Bible, our theologians call the last statements of Jesus, what he spoke on the cross. Um, some people call it the last words. I like to call it the lasting words because his word is alive and active and it's going to accomplish what it sets out to do. And I believe it's significant. Every single word that Jesus spoke on the cross is significant. If you think about it this way, um, the cross was an excruciating way to die and to speak made it even more painful. And so the words that Jesus spoke were so important. Now, some of you in here have maybe lost a loved one, and you can maybe remember the last thing they said to you, and that holds something dear in your heart. How much more important the last words that Jesus spoke to his people that are written in the word of God for us to hold on to so that it could change our lives. That's what we're going to focus on today. Jesus changes everything. Look to your neighbor and say, Jesus changes everything. The lasting words of Christ that will change your life. The lasting words of Christ that will change your life. And, and this is how. Uh, the first lasting word of Christ that will change your life is found in Luke 23, 34. And it says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The Greek word for forgiveness simply just means let it go. That's what it means, let it go. This saying of Jesus on the cross is traditionally called the word of forgiveness. It's what theologians interpret as Jesus' prayer of forgiveness um, for everyone who put him on that cross. Many people believe it was when he was hanging there and he looked down and saw the Roman soldiers dividing his clothes and mocking him, that his prayer of forgiveness to his father was about the Roman soldiers, but also about the religious leaders who put, uh, who turned him over to Pilate and also Pilate who handed him over to be whipped and beaten and then hung on a cross. Maybe it was even including, and I know that it was, his disciples who abandoned him and denied him. But you know what? It also includes us and the times that we deny him, the times that we abandon him, the times that we give in to sin. He says, Father, forgive them. What can this mean for us today? How can we apply this to our life? Well, this is how. Jesus changes how I forgive. If you're filling in the blanks today on your talk it over sheet, that's the first filling. Jesus changes how I forgive. He set the example of how to forgive. Sometimes 
people have people do us so wrong that it is hard to forgive. Come on and hear somebody. Sometimes it's hard to forgive people. Sometimes we need to actually do what Jesus did and pray to the Father to help us forgive somebody. Sometimes we can't forgive on our own. Some of us have maybe extra big giant hearts in here and we just forgive very easily. But I think the majority of us, we're human beings. And when someone hurts our feelings or does us wrong or maybe there was an offense that was so great against us, sometimes it's hard to forgive. And we have to pray, Father, help us forgive. The disciples had a hard time forgiving, and, and Peter, you know, he thought he had a real big heart. And so one time he came up to Jesus and he said, how many times should I forgive during a day if somebody does me wrong, basically? That's the joy interpretation. <laughs> and, and Jesus, and, and he wanted to just show Jesus just how big his heart was. He said, I, you know what, how about I forgive them even seven times? Seven's a good godly number, right? Seven times I can forgive. And Jesus said, no, Peter, how about 70 times seven? Now, listen, friends, that's not a math equation that you can count up and say, okay, that's all I have to forgive. No, Jesus' point of saying 70 times 7 is you need to forgive even beyond what you think is generous. Without reserve, you need to forgive. The New Testament scripture says in uh, Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. What does this mean, friends? It means that even the person who hurt our feelings and did us wrong the most is not beyond forgiveness. It means that no one is beyond the reach of prayer, and no one is beyond the reach of forgiveness from God. It means don't give up on people. Don't give up on yourself. Maybe you are in here today and you feel like, I've messed up too many times. I've sinned too great for God to forgive me. Don't give up on yourself because Jesus didn't give up on you. And when he was on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them. And that included us, friends. So my Easter challenge to you today is that when Jesus died on the cross, and that he gave us the example to follow by forgiving one another just as Christ forgave us. Forgiveness has the power to change your life. Amen. Has the power to change your life. The second lasting word of Christ that would change your life, and dare I say change your life forever, is found in Luke 23, 43. Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This saying is traditionally called the word of salvation. Now Jesus, when he was on the cross, he was in between two thieves. One of the thieves mocked him and jeered him and snared at him and said, oh, you're the son of God. If you're the son of God, get down from the cross and save yourself. But the other thief had a heart that was softened before the Lord and said, truly, you are God. Would you remember me in paradise. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Now we have to understand crucifixion, it was not a way of, um, that the Romans didn't just give anyone over to crucifixion. That was a pretty, that was like a death penalty and a very serious, painful one. And so when we think of thieves, it's not just petty thefts that were hung on the cross. Most theologians believe that these thieves were actually what we would consider terrorists. And that their crimes, uh, they had very serious crimes against Rome. And yet, one of them's heart was softened 
and their life was forever changed. What does this mean for us today? Well, friends, it means this. Jesus changes my fate. He changes our fate. No matter how far down the road of sin you have traveled, it is not too late for Jesus to change your fate. No, and you know what? That includes those of us that know somebody that we feel that their heart has been so hardened to the gospel. Maybe someone in here today has a wayward child or someone who grew up in the church and has just totally turned their back on God. This is encouragement to you today that no matter how far down the road of sin they have traveled, it is not too late for God to change their fate. Don't give up hope in, in, the, in the word, the seeds that you have planted into them. God can turn it around. And talk about getting saved in the, in the nick of time, right? I mean, the man was dying on his deathbed, lived probably a horrible life to be put up on the cross to be crucified. And yet he, by faith, believed in Jesus, the Son of God, and asked Jesus to remember him. And Jesus said, today your fate is changed. Friends, God can change our fate. Amen. And he can change the fate of the worst sinner that you know. Don't give up hope. Don't give up your faith in God. Maybe you know someone who has just fallen into addiction. It seems like they just cannot get out of it. It seems like even though they may know the truth of Jesus Christ, they've been stuck in sin and stuck in addiction. And you're wondering, how can, there, how can they ever change? Because our God is a God that changes fate. That's how. And it's a miraculous thing. Maybe you yourself... Find yourself in a place where you keep going back to what I like to call comfort sin. You know, that sin we do that makes us feel a little bit more comfortable for a time, for a moment. And, we, and we're just stuck in that. And we feel like we can't break free. Friends, it's not too late for you. Jesus is in the business of changing fate. God's arm is not too short to reach you today. Your fate will change when you meet Jesus. But friends... The choice is yours. The choice is yours. The third lasting word of Christ that will change your life is found in John 19, 26 and 27. It says, woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. This word, our last statement, is traditionally called the word of relationship. This is when Jesus was hanging on the cross in an excruciating pain. He looks down and he sees his mother. Can you imagine his mother who, who birthed him, who raised him when he was a child in, at the foot of the cross and just in such grief and such agony. I mean, it was even prophesied that her soul would agonize. And here she is in, in emotional pain. And Jesus took time to see his family. He took time to care for others, even when he was in so much pain. Friends, we need to also be like Christ. And even at our hardest times, the things that we're going through, and, and think sometimes of others. What does this mean for us today? It means that Jesus can change your family. He can change your family. See, the family of God is beyond just the family of origin that you was born into. Jesus said to Mary, this is your son, and he was speaking of the beloved disciple, John. And he told John, even though this woman didn't birth you, this is now 
your mother. And the Bible says that John took him into or took Mary into his home from that day. Friends, Jesus can change your family. So much so that when you get saved, you know you are now born into a new family. The, the church, friends, is called the family of God. People who don't um, have a church home, people who don't know Jesus, they can't understand, like, what, what is this, the church? People in the world might even think of the church as like a, a, you know, some kind of cult or some kind of clique. They don't understand. No, it's family. I don't know about you, but when I'm going through things, I am so grateful. I have brothers and sisters in the Lord that are there for me, that care for me. And guess what? You can have that too. Maybe today you don't have a church home, a church family. We want to invite you to be a part of our church family. We're a new community here in the Anthony Wayne area. We're celebrating two years in this area, not even a year in this building, and we're believing that God is going to add to our family. And if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I would love to be a part of a greater family, we invite you to be a part of our family. The body of Christ is the family of God, and we are so grateful that Jesus changed our, changes our family. Amen. The Bible says that he puts the lonely in families. If you're struggling and you feel alone, maybe you feel um, like nobody understands and nobody cares, friends, get yourself plugged into a local body and you will find that you have brothers and sisters that do care for you. We are a new community and we have room for you and our family. The fourth lasting word of Christ that will change your life is found in Matthew 27, 46. And found in Mark 15, 34. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm going to spend probably the most of my time on this point because I want to explain this to you. This is the statement that baffles theologians. This is a statement that people don't quite understand. This is the statement that sometimes people skip over because they don't understand how did Jesus say this. Matter of fact, the, um, theologians have a word uh, that kind of explains it. It's called hypostatic union. And the hypostatic union, what it means is simply that Christ at all times is 100% fully God and at all times 100% fully human. And there may not be any other time in the Bible or on the cross that we see Christ's humanity displayed more than this statement. Now, we understand that Jesus understood his purpose. He even cried out in the garden, Lord, if it be your will, take this cup from me. And then said, but not my will, your will be done. He prophesied that he was going to suffer and die, and yet still he cried out. Why have you forsaken me? Now, a lot of theologians tend to believe it was because he was quoting Psalms chapter 22, and I tend to lean this way and believe it as well. Now, Jewish culture, when they quoted the Bible, they didn't quote the Bible like we quote the Bible. Say we're quoting uh, Philippians 4, 13, for God, or, or that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We quote by naming the chapter and then the, the verse. The way they would quote is they would say the first part of um, a passage. And the first part of Psalms 22 is, is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But if you read the entire Psalms, uh, the entire Psalm of 22, it also goes into great detail of what happened to Jesus on the cross. Could it be that Jesus quoted this 
passage of the Bible to get the Jewish religious leaders who put him on the cross and turned him over to think. Because in their mind, they thought that that the Messiah, which was Jesus, was going to come and and restore order to the nation of Israel. They believed that his purpose was to overthrow Rome. But see, he had a greater purpose. It was to overthrow sin and the penalty of sin. And so you go on, if you actually take time to read all Psalms 22, you see great detail. It even talks about how uh, his clothes were divided uh, among up and they cast lots for his garments. Friends, Jesus was quoting Psalm 22 to point to the suffering that he had to endure to break the, the penalty of sin. So what does this mean for us? Well, at this moment, it looked um, to, the, to um, even Jesus' disciples that all hope was lost. Their Messiah, their Savior, who was supposed to restore order, was handed over to Rome and crucified. Even though he didn't commit any sin, to them, it looked like all hope was gone. But, friends, the good news is that Jesus can change what seems to be failure. Come on. If you have been in a difficult place in life and you feel like a failure, friends, it's okay to ask God why. Even Jesus asked why on the cross. It's okay to go to the Lord and to pray. What is my purpose in all this? Maybe you've endured some very difficult things. Maybe you've endured a a broken up marriage or maybe you've endured um, children that have went wayward. Maybe your business that you try to start is not going the way you think it should. Maybe the ministry that you're trying to get going isn't growing and going as fast as you think. It's okay to ask the Lord why. But we have to remember, just as Jesus asked the Lord uh, why, And there was silence that sometimes God does not answer back immediately, but he always hears our prayers, friends. And he is in the business of changing what seems to be failure. Friends, you may have experienced some setbacks in your life. Maybe you have endured failure after failure. Maybe you have felt rejected or even abandoned. You are not forsaken. God will change your life forever if you let him. The good news is, friends, Jesus at this point, He changed the course of history. Now, this took place during Passover. And traditionally what happened during Passover is is that Jewish uh, religious leaders would take a lamb to be sacrificed for the sin of the nation. But instead, there was a transfer that happened, and Jesus carried all the sin of the world from the past to the present to the future on his shoulders. The Bible even talks about at this time that darkness came over the land, and an earthquake happened so much so that the earthquake was so powerful that it tore the veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holy places. I believe God was trying to get his people's attention at this time. And though it might have looked like to the person who did not have eyes to see that it was failure, it wasn't. It was great victory. And now Jesus lives again. And he's at the right hand of the Father. This is what the book of Hebrews says in 725. Therefore, he is able to save completely, completely, those who come to him, come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for you. So if you're experiencing some setbacks, some failures in your life, guess what? You have a risen Lord who is at the right hand of the Father who is interceding for you. 
And the Bible also says in Hebrews 4, 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Be encouraged today that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us and that he understands everything that we are going through. He understands our pain. He understands our failures. And we truly have victory in Christ. Amen. The lasting sayings of Jesus that will change our life forever. The fifth one here is found in John 19, 28. And it simply says, I thirst. This statement is traditionally called the word of distress. A lot of scholars and theologians compare this statement to what we find in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. The woman at the well had a notorious past, and she came into contact with Jesus. And Jesus told her um, that I have something greater than this water that you can get from the well. I have living water that if you would receive of that, you will never thirst again. So what is this statement on the cross? What's the significance of it? Well, one, we believe that Jesus, again, was quoting um, Old Testament, and he did this for, to fulfill the law. But also we believe it's because Jesus thirsts so that we don't have to, friends. He thirsts so we don't have to. What's this mean for us today? It means that Jesus will fill your every need. It's, Jesus is what fills you. Some of us try to get filled up on other things. We try to get filled up. You know, you heard, there's an old song that said there's a God-shaped hole in our life. And, and oftentimes we try to fill ourselves up and make ourselves feel better with all kinds of things. If you're a student here, maybe it's sports or, or girlfriends or boyfriends. And, and we, we can find that even in our adult years. Maybe it's our job that we work so hard for and hard uh, at so that we can be fulfilled. Maybe it's our marriage or, or maybe it's a relationship or our friendship or our children. Some of us vicariously live through our kids, right? And we're doing all these things so that we can feel fulfilled. But the key is only Jesus can really fulfill us. And he died on the cross for us so that we don't have to thirst again. Is there something in your life that you feel is lacking right now? Friends, I promise you. Every single one of us has an area in our life that we feel is lacking, that we're not doing. None of us are doing 100% in every area, amen. Maybe you're doing great and spiritually, but maybe you're not doing great physically. Maybe you're doing great physically, but you're not doing great emotionally. Maybe you're doing great emotionally, but you're not doing great at your workplace. Maybe you're doing great at your workplace, but your family's not right exactly where you want it to be. We can't have 100% across the board because we're human beings, amen. But, friends, I'm telling you the truth that if you would go to Jesus in that area of need that you have and you would ask him to fill you, he will fill you. He will fill you up every single time. The Bible says in Matthew 4, 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they will be filled Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Friends, start hungering and start thirsting for Jesus. God made us to crave. We just go to the wrong thing. Sometimes we go to our sugar addiction, amen. Sometimes we go to other kinds of drug addiction. Sometimes we go to relationships that be can become addictions. God has made us to crave, not so that we go to all these other things, but that so we go to Jesus, and through Jesus we can get to the Father, friends. 
Let him fill you up, amen? Let him fill you up. Jesus changes what fills you. The sixth lasting word of Christ that will change your life is found in John 19.30. It is finished. Or in the Greek, it means it is accomplished or it is complete. This statement is uh, traditionally called the word of triumph. And it's what uh, theologians interpret as the announcement of the end of Jesus' earthly life in anticipation of his resurrection. What this really means is this, Jesus is saying, in effect, paid in full. See, there is um, a penalty for sin, and that penalty is death. Uh, Romans 6.23 says that, that all have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus paid the penalty. See, in the Old Testament, they used to sacrifice animals and lambs. And they couldn't just be any lamb. It had to be a firstborn, perfect, without spot. Um, and and it, it had to be sacrificed um, at a certain time by a priest. But Jesus, friends, um, he paid the price, as the Bible says, he was the lamb who was slain from the foundations of the world. And he paid a price, not just uh, a price that he had to pay over and over, like the Old Testament priest had to every year go at Passover and, and, and make sacrifices for the nation. But he paid a price forever. And, and he paid the debt. I don't know about you, but I have a little bit of debt in my life, okay? I wish I could stand up here and say I don't have any debt, but I have a little bit of a debt because I have a big hoopty, okay, and, and we're praying for that hoopty that it lasts at least five more years. But usually my debt has to do with my car. Now, if somebody came uh, to the Midas where I, or wherever we go, the tire man in Perrysburg that we usually go, and they paid off that debt, I would be extremely excited. Friends, there is a debt that all, all of us owe with sin, and that is death, but we cannot pay that by ourselves. We can, some of us try to, some of us through religion think that if we can only be good enough, then maybe we can pay that debt. If we only do enough good deeds or maybe start a business, help the poor, we try to do all these things that think, well, maybe that'll make us a little bit better, a little bit closer to God. But yet, friends, we may be further along than somebody else, but we're not far enough. I heard a preacher say, it would be like somebody saying, a group of people saying, you know what, I'm going to swim from California to Hawaii. We're going to just not with any floaties or, or any rap. I'm just going to freestyle swim. And there's a group of people who, who do that. And you're swimming and you're swimming. And one by one, people are sinking and they're going down and they're drowning. Now, the person who's the furthest along can say, man, they can look back and say, I'm making it farther than this guy. But guess what? They're not going to make it all the way to Hawaii. Eventually, they're going to fall off. Some of us through religion think that I'm going to do enough good deeds and I'm going to serve enough and I'm going to be good enough. I'm going to pray enough. I'm going to read my word enough that maybe I can make it. But, friends, on our own, we are not perfect enough to make it from earth to heaven. We need Jesus to pay the price paid in full. He is the only one that was out without sin. He's the only one that can help us. Get back to the Father, back to relationship to the Father. And that is what he did. He stayed on mission. The Bible says he literally left heaven in its splendor and its glory, and he wrapped himself in, in, in man. That's what the incarnation of Christ is on Christmas that we celebrate. He became man so that he could pay the price for us, paid in full. It is finished. 
Friends, what does this mean for us today? I'm going to tell you what it means. It means Jesus changes how we finish. (laughs) I don't care what your past was. My favorite lady preacher, her name is Lisa Brevera, and she says, the attacks on your life have more to do with who you're going to be in the future than who you've been in the past. Some of us get so stuck in our past. Oh, I can't be used from God because I came from brokenness. I was a drug addict, or it's just who my mom was, who my dad was, who my grandmama was, who my grandpapa was. This is just who I am. It's through the generations. I just, I'm, I, everybody in my family line is an alcoholic, so, so far, so I have to be one too. No, friends, it's not about your past. Is about how you finish. Jesus stayed on mission. He stayed on assignment because he paid the price, paid in full for us. He finished what he came to do. And guess what? Through Christ, we can finish what, what our assignment, what our purpose is as well. Paul is a great example of someone who understood his mission and understood his purpose. At the end of Paul's life, he said that I have fought the good fight and I have run the race, and I have finished the race. Friends, we have to stay on mission. We have to stay focused because we have a lot of things in the world that are set against us to distract us, to keep us from focusing on the main thing, that what Jesus has done for us. But, friends, through Christ, you can finish strong, too. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus finished strong, and through him, guess what? You can finish strong too. Come on, amen, somebody? That's good news. That's good news. The last and seventh lasting word of Christ that will change your life is found in Luke 23.46. Father, into your hands. I commit my spirit. And then Jesus gave up the ghost, as the old-time religious people would say. From Psalms 31.5, this saying is found, which is announcement and not a request. It's an announcement, not a request. It's traditionally called the word of reunion. And it's theologically interpreted as the proclamation of Jesus joining God the Father in heaven. Hamilton writes this, when darkness seems to prevail in life, it takes faith even to talk to God, even if it is to complain to him. The last words of Jesus from the cross show his absolute trust in God. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This this has been termed a model of prayer for everyone when afraid, sick, or facing one's own death. It says, in effect, I commit myself to you, O God, in my living and in my dying, in my good times and in my bad, whatever I am and have, I place into your hands, O God, for your safe keeping. The Father was the last thing on Jesus' mind when he was on that cross. And not just the Father, but you and me. Because the purpose of him paying the price for sin in our life is so that we could have relationship again with Heavenly Father. You know, he created us um, in his very image, God the Father did. And he made Adam and Eve in the garden to walk with him in the cool of day. But then sin came in and it deceived and it tricked and it put a wedge. It put a, a wedge between man and God that only the cross of Christ could bridge, friends. And so Jesus, 
he died and said, I commit my spirit into your hands. And we know on the third day, he didn't stay dead very long. (laughs) On the third day, he rose again with power, resurrection power that actually Romans 8, 15 says this, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves to fear. Rather, the spirit you receive brought you about your adoption of sonship And by him we cry, Abba, Father. That the same power that rose Jesus from the grave now lives in you. That you can call Father, God, Abba, Daddy, God. You know what this means for us? You know what this changes? It changes who your father is. Come on, somebody. It changes who your father is. You could have had the worst or the best earthly father in the world. But your heavenly father is greater And it changes who your father is. You are not an orphan any longer. You are not cut off any longer. You are a son or a daughter of Christ if you accept what Jesus did for you. Oh, how the father loves us. I want to quote a scripture that most of us in this room know. That sometimes we can know something and we forget the significance of it. So today I want you to listen to this verse, John 3, 16, with new new ears today. God, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have eternal life. Friends, eternal life is here for you today. You can have a relationship with the Father, and you can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you would accept what he did on that third day, that glorious first resurrection Sunday, Jesus rose again. He rose again in victory. He defeated death, sin, and the grave. So that when we die, that's not not our final destination, friends. That's just a passing through to the next place, the greater place in heaven to be with the Father. Friends, if you have not made a decision today to give your heart over to Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. And not just for you to accept him as Savior, but God wants you to accept his son as Lord. That means Savior and Master. He wants to change your life forever, and he can. Maybe you've already received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Today is a day just to, again, recommit ourselves and say, God, you are so good. I thank you that I can have a relationship with the Father. Would you stand to your feet with me today? He's so worthy. So worthy. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just close your eyes and just focus on the Lord for just a moment, please? We just thank you, Lord God.